Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon, and welcome to NJSB's Blog Talk Radio show, Conversations on New Jersey Education, a show dedicated to creating a conversation among those of us in the education community and beyond on the important education issues of the day a conversation that brings the state leaders to you. My name is Ray Penny, and I'll be your host this afternoon. Today, uh, we'll have a different format. We will not be having uh, taking callers or ha- opening in the chat room. But we are very fortunate to have with us as a guest to speak on education issues. He's really someone who does not need any introduction. He's New Jersey's most uh, recognizable politician, Governor Chris Christie. We know that over the last two weeks, Governor Chris Christie has spent a great deal of time preparing for, surviving, and then the hardest part, helping the state and the citizens clean up after Hurricane Irene. So we're so glad that he could join us so soon after a storm. When I interviewed uh, you, Governor Christie, for NJSBA's magazine, School Leader, you were a gubernatorial candidate, and you said at the time, quote, no one should underestimate your commitment to education. Now, even I think your harshest criti- critics cannot say that you have put education issues on the back burner or relegated them to secondary cl- status, though I'm sure that some of them wish that you may have. Uh, Governor Christie, I hope you're there on the line. Are you on? All right. We're, I know he's on there. Uh, we are waiting. Governor Christie? Oh, we're having some connectivity issues, Ray. My apologies. We should have the governor on in less than a minute. Okay. So My- we will hold. Um just to let the listeners know the way this is going to work, I'm going to start off with a couple of general questions, and my format is I'll be going through the issues. I'll be starting with teacher tenure, teacher evaluations, going then to school choice, uh, charter schools, vouchers, uh, and then on to school funding issues and uh, his relationship with the legislature. Hello? Yes. Hi, yes. Hi Governor Christie. Thank you, you for joining us. My pleasure. Okay, uh, I gave you a great introduction. I hope you heard it. Um, yes. Uh, before I get into my education questions, I want you to be honest with me, because I'm a Met fan and so are you, and this may upset some of the, your constituents. As a Met fan, and not as governor, do you want to see the Phillies and Yankees in the World Series? No. Okay. Not You're at all. Too- <laughs> not at all. In fact, I'd rather see anybody but them. Okay. So we're in agreement on that one. Absolutely correct. Okay. Uh, okay, Governor, uh, you're a product of the New Jersey's public schools. Yes, I am. A point that I think you bring up often at your town hall meetings. I know you take some criticism for your children, but you are a product from a good school system in Livingston. How would you rate New Jersey's public schools now? Most well, listen, school I, I, think that the, I think the rating of New Jersey schools now is variable. I think it very, very much depends on where you live. If, in fact, you're um, a family who's living and sending your children to the public schools in Livingston or Cherry Hill or Milburn Short Hills or uh, Bridgewater, um, you know, Tom's River, um, you're getting an outstanding public school education. And I use those just as examples. There's other examples I could give. However, if you're a family that's living in Newark, or Patterson, or Jersey City, or Trenton, or Camden, 
um, you're not getting an outstanding education, most likely, um, from the public schools. And the statistics bear this out, and, and my view continues to be the same, which is, you know, um, destiny shouldn't be about zip code. And we're spending a fortune in these places that I just mentioned that are failing, and uh, these folks um, and their families should not have to put up with that. So I think the report card on New Jersey public schools is mixed. There are more good public schools than not good ones, but on the other hand, the ones that are not good are unacceptable because we have to do better for everybody. Okay. Uh, even before you became governor, uh, you made news with your battles with the NJA by not accepting their uh, endorsement or not seeking their endorsement. And many of your reforms, such as pension benefit reforms, and uh, have been opposed by the union. And now you're taking on teacher tenure and how we evaluate teachers and other educational uh, professionals, which I think, I assume we know they, they will oppose most of them. Uh, why do you think we need to have teacher tenure reform? Well, I don't think that there should be any profession in America, let alone a profession as important as teaching our children, that someone should be guaranteed a job for life um, from three years and one day in the job without any meaningful um, opportunity for them to lose their jobs as they move forward uh, for, for poor performance. And that's what we have right now. In the last 10 years in New Jersey, only 17 tenured teachers have been let go for, um, for uh, poor performance. Uh, there's about 150,000 or so uh, teachers uh, in the state of New Jersey, public school teachers. So just imagine the math of that. And what it tells you is that there, that there are no meaningful ways to let teachers go once they've reached tenure. And that's unacceptable to me. I think tenure is fine as long as tenure is earned. And it must be earned by your performance every year in the classroom. And so what we've proposed is to say, listen, if there's uh, a new way of evaluating teachers, where if um, you're rated um, either uh, uh, below adequate um, or or just uh, just okay, just fairly adequate for your first two year uh, for two years, then you lose your tenure. You can earn it back if you want, but the fact is that we should not allow people any longer um, to keep their jobs for for life if in fact they're not earning it. And the reason for that is more for our children than it is for anything else. They deserve better. Now, I've talked to teachers, and their point is that from tenure perspective, it protects the good teachers from being unfairly let go. I'm not sure if I agree with that. It might do the opposite, protect the poor teachers. But do you think it protects good teachers from being arbitrarily let go? Our system would continue to allow good teachers not to be arbitrarily let go because good teachers would have tenure. Um, it's just not taking away tenure. I want to be really clear on that. It's tenure has to be earned. At school districts, listen, they're fighting enough to find good teachers. They're not going to get rid of good teachers um, if, if, they're, if they're working hard and producing results, and they won't be able to because they'll be tenured. The, the, the people who shouldn't be tenured are the people who are not producing results. And so that's just a red herring um, that's put up by the unions because they want to continue – this system, which allows them to add every year to their roles, which allows them to get more dues, which allows them to have more money in their political slush fund to send around the state to try to continue to influence folks um, in a way that is not 
for improving education, but just improving the work conditions of their members. Now, I just want to be clear, you, with your proposal anyway, um, a teacher would lose tenure, but they don't necessarily lose their job. They have an opportunity to, to win that tenure back. Correct. Okay. Correct. What we're looking for is for people to be held accountable. Ultimately, that's what we're looking for is accountability. And um, that's the most important thing. Um, um, that's the most important thing is accountability. And I think that most good teachers in the state are not the least bit afraid of accountability. Not the least bit afraid of accountability. And and they welcome the idea that they'll be evaluated. And, and you know, our, the evaluations that we're proposing also have to do with not only just how the students test and what kind of grades do they get, but also they're, they're a 50% of the component of um, our system would be peer evaluation. So, you know, don't let the teachers union either tell you that this is about testing. It's not about testing. It's only partially. Our our plan only says 35% um, of the teachers' overall evaluation would be based upon testing. So, and there is a portion that's uh, based on testing. What do you do with teachers who don't have, like, standardized tests, the phys ed teacher, the the art teacher, and then even some of the social studies courses that people take. Then you look at other ways to measure student progress and achievement, grades and other ways that they evaluate it. Um, but you don't say, because there's no testing for art teachers and gym teachers, then testing shouldn't be relevant for the math teacher or the English teacher. That's just silly. I mean, when you think about it, and, and I want to be clear, on tenure, it's if a teacher's been rated either in in our um, in our system, um, you would have some very clear ratings. A teacher could be rated highly effective, or effective, partially effective, or ineffective. So if you're rated either effective or highly effective for three consecutive years, you get tenure. If you're rated ineffective for one year or just partially effective for two consecutive years, then you revert to a non-tenured status and have the opportunity then at the school district's discretion to earn that tenure back. Okay. This is One a pretty reasonable other, plan. Uh, and I guess the other thing is I'm not sure if there's too many uh, professions that do have tenure of this sort. Um, no. Earlier, I've heard you talk uh, frequently at town hall meetings, and you talk about the 200 schools that are failing and the 100,000 students in, in those school districts that you want to really help. And your critics will come back and say, that, well, that means there's 1.2 million children succeeding and 2,300 schools succeeding. So why do we need to have reform then? Will the reform help those all students or just the ones in the poor districts? Of course it will help all students. I mean, <clears throat> that's like saying because a school's not failing – um, it hasn't been judged to be failing that it can't be improved. I mean, that's just a silly. You see, if you spend five seconds thinking about the teachers' union arguments, you can you can shoot holes in them. I mean, that argument, which is well, all these other the 1.2 million kids are doing great um, because uh, the, <laughs> they're not included in the 200 failing schools. Well, are you telling me then that all of those are operating at peak effectiveness? Absolutely untrue. They're not, and everybody can be improved. And, and I think that's the whole goal of this is that even the kids who are getting a good education, maybe we can get them to get a great education. And those that are getting a great education, maybe we can make it even better. Um, and, you know, the idea that somehow that's not possible or that 
because we're having success in some places, there's no reason to change the system is is really absurd, completely absurd. Besides cha cha uh, changing the teaching profession, uh, the other cornerstone of some of your reforms is school choice, charter schools, and vouchers. Yep. I, I know when you were searching for a commissioner of education, you wanted someone who was a strong supporter of charter schools. So let's start with charter schools. How do you see their role in New Jersey's public school system? Well, listen, first let's remember that charter schools are public schools. They're publicly funded. They're not private schools, and there's a lot of confusion about that across the state. But I think charter schools are not a panacea, and they're not a silver bullet solution to these problems. They're just one um, of many, and I think they should be focused. Charter schools should be focused on those school districts where there's failure to provide folks with an opportunity to be able to make a different choice rather than their neighborhood public school, which is failing them. So, you know, my view on charter schools is that the focus of charter schools should be in those areas that are, are most challenged, where there's a lot of failing students, and folks can then go there and get a different type of education. Now, if you look at the waiting lists in our cities to be on these, you know, to be in these charter schools, the waiting lists are in the thousands. And that tells you that there is a huge demand for this um, across our state, especially in districts that are failing. And so that's the role I see for charter schools. In addition, the second role for charter schools is that what they were originally designed to do was in a non-tenured, non-union uh, structure in the beginning to try innovation and different approaches to teaching that weren't being done because of contract restrictions um, in the regular public schools and to see which of those new approaches worked and then to apply those lessons to the to the public to the regular public schools we've gotten half of that right we've come up with all new ways to innovate and help teach kids in these different situations but we haven't taken the next step which is to apply them to all the public schools and that's what we need to do as well so those are the two roles for charter schools on school choice we now have been able to sign a a pretty aggressive interdistrict public school choice program where kids can change from one public school to another if the um, school districts agree to be cooperating districts. Um, I think that's a good step in the right direction. Anything that provides more choice to folks is a good step in the right direction. Now, on, on uh, vouchers, we have a bill that I've been supporting sponsored by Senator Kane and Senator Lesniak called the Opportunity Scholarship Act. And that's where private companies would donate scholarship money um, to this fund, and they would get tax credits in return for the money they donate. And that money would then be used to pay for the parochial or private school tuition of students who otherwise could not afford it um, in failing school districts. Uh, and so another way to give parents choice. Now, you mentioned earlier at the top about the choice that my wife and I have made um, to send our children to parochial school. Well, we've made that choice because we believe that having faith as part of their everyday school lessons is an important thing that helps to reinforce the values we're trying to teach our kids uh, at home. Uh, but the reason we were able to make that choice is because we could afford to make that choice. Now, I pay nearly $38,000 in property taxes um, every year. 75% uh, of that money goes to my public school system amendment, and we have a great public school system there, and I make no complaints about supporting as a citizen a free, outstanding public education for every kid in Mendham. I think that's really important, and 
but we've decided not to not to utilize it. We've decided on our own, out of our own pocket, to pay for our children to go to parochial school. Now, what about parents who are in a failing school district where their kids are falling behind year after year, but they don't have the resources that Mary Pat and I have to be able to make a choice of a parochial or a private school? What's our answer for those families? That you're consigned to failure? That we we can't do it. We're not going to do anything to help you, or be patient and wait until we fix the public schools. Well, they've been waiting in some of these districts, like Newark and Patterson, for over 20 years for these schools to be fixed, and they're not being fixed. Um, to me, I can't allow children and their families to have to wait more time for them to get a good education. And so, again, none of these things, whether you're talking about vouchers, inter-district school choice or charter schools are by themselves a single silver bullet solution to the problem. Combined, they help to create a competitive atmosphere that will hopefully allow the public schools in, this, in these failing districts to have an additional motivation for being able um, to improve. Because if they don't, they, they, they run the real risk of losing students, which they don't want to do. Uh, you mentioned uh, when you're talking about just charter schools that you want to focus them more in the districts that are failing. There has been some concern that uh, in communities where the, the school district is not really failing, that there are charter schools and that there's a, a drain on the resources, and maybe the community should have a say in that. Do you have any opinion on on that? Yeah, I don't agree with that. Um, I think this is a, a decision that has to be made at the state level. Um, but I also think that, uh, you know, as I said before, that charter schools, while there are some exceptions to this, that charter, charter school effort should be focused on um, making sure that it's, it's in areas where school districts have been failing to provide more choice for those families. Um, there can be exceptions to that rule, but in the main, that's my position on it. All right, so your the state resources would be focused on the more approving charter schools in those districts that are failing. That's what I'd like to see, yes. Yeah, okay. Uh, one other quick thing that you put out there, uh, you were at Camden and you talked about transformational school districts. Uh, could you explain what your position is and your reasoning on that one? Sure. Well, in some of these instances, um, we, we, can't, we can't wait for uh, new charter schools to be built and established. We can't, um, we can't wait for us to... Um, to improve over the slow, long haul, as I was saying before, these public schools, some of them, um, we need to have transformation, and we need to have transformation quickly. And so the transformation school bill that we talked about would be turning over some of these failed public schools to private operators for a period of time to be able to turn the school around quickly. Um, and But it would have to have the agreement of the local school district to do it. Uh, they would have to voluntarily enter into that program. So we want to continue to have these decisions made at the local level, but we want to give them another option to try to transform a school quickly by bringing in private assistance and private management to help. Okay, I'm going to move into a totally different sub subject, but uh, school funding. You obviously yes, were not thrilled with the Supreme Court ruling, uh, which forced you to increase the amount you budgeted in school aid, though you eventually complied with the ruling in the budget that the legislature put in. What's your thoughts on the school funding formula? And do you envision change, looking to change it at any point? Well, listen, I think we do need to change the school funding formula. I think it's shown itself to be a failure. And we argued that at the Supreme Court. Um, uh, you know, I think it's, it's, um, 
it has shown itself to be a failed legal theory. Um, and the reason it's shown itself to be a failed legal theory is because we've put billions and billions of dollars into these districts thinking that money equals quality, and it doesn't. And so the whole premise of the school funding formula is money equals quality, and it's just simply not true. It's not that simple an equation. So I think the school funding formula needs to be totally relooked at. I've asked the Commissioner of Education to relook at the school funding formula to come up with some suggestions for me to consider about how we might fund our public schools differently. Now, that being said, in, in, despite the uh, in, my fact that I disagreed with the Supreme Court ruling, we complied with it and added even additional money to the funding of our public schools so that this year um, we're funding public schools from the state perspective at a higher level of aid than the last year of the Corzine administration. And so this whole idea that somehow we don't want to fund public schools is completely contrary to the record we've established here. Yes, in my first year we had to cut $820 million in funding from the public schools because we were in an enormous fiscal crisis. But the next year, this budget that I just signed and, and advocated for um, put an additional $850 million into the budget for public schools. So it paid back the entire cut from the year before of $820 million and then an additional $30 million on top of that. So we're committed to wanting to fund the public schools, the amount they need to be funded to be successful. But two things. One, I don't think the way we're funding them right now, the current formula, is the best way to go and is, is putting forward, uh, our, putting our best foot forward, rather, for success. Secondly, um, you know, I don't believe that it's as, as simple an equation as money equals quality, and we need to get down to the other things that need to be done in these school systems, like what we just talked about um, earlier in the interview, to make sure that we give kids the best education we can. Um, in, in there's proposals out there. There's numerous proposals on how to fund education. Some of them have more on a per-child basis, a little simpler formula than we have now. Uh, and sometimes there's the issue of school lunches and, and that. Are there any components that you think you would like to change, or are you going to just have Commissioner Sir kind of look at it and make a recommendation to you? I don't want to jump the gun. I'd like to have the commissioner be able to take a full look at it. He's the expert in this area, and I want him to give me his complete recommendation. And I go start saying certain things I like or don't like. I may be precluding options for myself that I may want back later on. So um, I think I just say, listen, the commissioner's looking at it. He's going to come to me with some recommendations, obviously, before we propose the budget uh, next February. Moving forward on your education agenda, you, you're going to need to work with the legislature. Now, I know you probably will be spending November and October working to change uh, from a Democratic control to a Republican control, but say it still remains in the Democrat-controlled hands. You have worked together with uh, Speaker Oliver and also Senate President Sweeney, but they've come under some recent attack for working with you on the pension and health benefit reform. Do you still think you'll be able to work with them in the upcoming year on some of these reform agendas? Absolutely. Listen, we all get attacked at times by the special interests in this city. Um, and I've been attacked you know, by a lot of these special interests like the teachers' union from the day I got here, from before I got here. And you know, now they're attacking Senator Sweeney and Speaker Oliver. They attack anyone who does not toe the line, the union line, 100%. And so, no, I don't think this will prevent me and Speaker Oliver from working together uh, and Senator Sweeney from working together in the future. I think they're just as committed to improving the lives of children in New Jersey as I am, and, and I'm sure and I'm very confident that we'll be able to find common ground on these issues. 
Uh, moving forward, so do you feel, are you confident on a lot of these issues that, first of all, I think you mentioned even on the Opportunity Scholarship Act that there is a Democratic sponsor on that, that there are Democrats who will work with you on some of these issues? Um, oh, yeah, absolutely. There's lots of Democrats who feel like change has to come, whether it's Senator Lesniak or Senator Ruiz, who have both been outspoken advocates for real change in the tenure system um, and in the opportunities that are provided to um, children in um, failing school districts. And I think we're going to find a lot of Democratic support. Senator Sweeney has also said that he supports tenure reform. So we have a lot of people out there who are already publicly saying they will announce about getting down to the details, and that probably won't happen until after the election. Um. School board members in New Jersey are they're Democrats, they're Republicans, they're Independents. They represent small rural districts as well as large urban districts, uh, all who are volunteers. Uh, what do you see as the role of a volunteer school board member in both school governments, but also in the education reform movement? Well, you know, listen, I, I think the, the role of school board members in our state is extraordinarily important, and I think they need to be willing to stand up and fight first and foremost for the interests of the children and their families in their town. And, uh, you know, so I think school board members in the main have a pretty thankless job. Um, I think you get criticized no matter what you do. Uh, but I think their role is very, very important as we move forward to be agents for change. They need to be agents and advocates for the kids. Um, that has to be their first job and not necessarily trying to curry favor with the people that they're sitting across the negotiating table from. Okay, thank you. Um, and I, I have one person that sent me in a question they want to ask you, and I said, I know, I think I know what your answer is going to be, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> because you probably don't have an answer. Uh, there, he's already thinking about how he's going to budget for next year, and he said, you know, what's the economic forecast for next year's state budget? Well, listen, right now, yes, you're right. The answer is I don't know. Um, I don't have a crystal ball. But what I could say is that right now our revenue projections are being met by our incoming revenue um, into the state. So that's a positive thing. Um, and so our budget, which I think was a realistic one, a hard-headed one, um, is so far being shown to be right. The revenues are meeting what we said they would probably meet when we projected those. And, uh, and so, so far, so good. So I'm optimistic about next year's budget. Um, but you know, these things change very quickly based upon the national economy and the effect that the national economy has on New Jersey's economy. So um, we're hopeful that things will continue to move in a positive direction, but we, you know, we can never be sure. Okay, I'm going to give you a, a – was there any uh, topic that I didn't cover that you would like to address? We have a, just a few minutes left. Oh, listen, I think it's really important for folks out there who are listening to understand – as you said at the top, that I'm a product of the public schools in the state. I care deeply about making sure that public education is as good as it can be, but I'm not going to go along with the myth any longer that New Jersey public education is as good as it needs to be. It isn't. It isn't as good as it needs to be for a lot of children and their families. And we need to make the difficult decisions that need to be made in order to improve it. And that's going to mean making some adults uncomfortable. Um, that's just the way it goes. If I have to choose between making an adult uncomfortable and giving a world-class education to a child which gives pride and hope to their parents for that child's future, I'm going to pick that over comfort for adults every day in the week. And that's what this choice is really about. 
And the folks on the union side of this who continue to fight us on this fight us because they like the comfortable status quo right now. It works out very well for them. But that's not who we need to be the most concerned about. We need to be the most concerned about the kids who are not being served well in many of these districts across the state and other children who are being served well but could be served even better. That's what we're looking and hoping to do. And by putting as much attention on this issue as we are, we're hoping that that's going to lead to the type of honest, robust discussion that will force everybody to do some compromising and be able to get us some results for the kids that that we should be concerned about. Okay, uh, Governor Christie, I'd really like to thank you for coming and speaking to the education community, both board members, administrators, parents, uh, about your views. And we don't always agree uh, on all the issues, but I think keeping the dialogue open uh, is important to moving education forward in the state. Listen, I agree with you. I agree with you very much, and, and I don't. I don't expect that everyone's going to agree with me all the time, and that's okay. Um, as long as we're having an honest, open dialogue about it, um, you know, we let the majority of the people in the state, you know, weigh in and decide these things. And and uh, I think that the the involvement of the school boards association is incredibly constructive to trying to foster the type of compromise that will favor children um, that we all want to reach. Okay, I'd like to thank you for joining us. We're coming to the last uh, minute of our show. Thank you. And I'd like to also in, invite you on behalf of our officers and our membership to, if you can, join us at our workshop in Atlantic City this year in late October. I think invitation has already been sent to you, We've, and you can talk to some of the board members in person there. Well, uh, thank you for thank you for re-extending that invitation. We'll certainly take a look at it with my scheduling folks, and, and if, I can, uh, if I can make it there, you can be sure I'll be there. Okay, great. And I also uh, just want to let our listeners know, uh, his office said if I if I was email any questions, I would forward them on to his office and they would address the, the issue uh, and get back to our membership on those. Issues. Absolutely. Okay, thank Absolutely. you. That brings us to the end. Um, and uh, once again, I'd like to thank you for joining us on Conversation New Jersey Education. I hope we see you and work with you again down in the future. Excellent. Thank you for the time. Okay, thank you. Bye-bye. Bye now. And that brings us to the end of our show. Our next scheduled show will be next week, and our guest will be uh, Ray Wiss, and we'll be talking about the governor's agenda. Thank you.